0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous 100-pounder special focus meeting. Today is the 6th of October 2021. My name is Rita Q, and I am delighted today to introduce Matt J.F. from Kentucky. Matt is going to tell us about his experience, strength and hope. I'll leave it up to you now, Matt. Take it away. Thank you very much, Rita, for the invitation and and thanks, everyone, for joining today. Um, I'm going to just share my screen directly see how that goes um are you all able to see a picture of a little boy in a diaper right now yeah cool um good okay well then i already have something to thank god for so i'll just say a quick prayer um god as always i'm grateful for you having brought this program into existence and me so i'm probably to it and for the opportunity to be of service. I ask that you guide my words to be of maximum service and usefulness to your children who are on this call and that you help me bear in mind they still suffering the post eater, whether or not they're a newcomer. Um, and just try and be of service. Amen. Um, so I'm gonna, uh, I'm just gonna qualify quickly. I am um, a, Uh, I'm a marketer by trade, and I deal in data a lot, Um, and as such, you're going to see some of that reflected in these slides, but I'll I'll go through them pretty fast. Um, There's no math, I promise. So um, I'm Matt JF. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, or Louisville, as they say here. Um, I'm fairly new to this city. I grew up. The picture you see there in front of you is me. I don't know year and a half old, maybe uh, on my dad's lap. Um, I'm sure that was just water in the glass. Um, the uh, I grew up outside Philadelphia in the US in New Jersey. Um, and, I, you know, I was born in a fairly normal weight like that is not an obese child sitting on that man's lap there. Um, and uh, and so, like, I mean, that looks pretty normal. But, but the thing that I know today is, I was already a compulsive overeater. Like, what's true for me is, I was born this way, and I'm going to die this way. And, uh, like, it is not an option for me to not be a compulsive overeater anymore. That it is not an option for me to, you know, switch from having brown eyes to blue eyes. It's just never going to happen. Um, but for a long time, most of the pictures I'm going to show you were taken. At times when uh, when I didn't believe that, when I thought that being fat, being clinically morbidly obese, um, was was a was a sign that there was something wrong with me, not a sign that there was just something true about me. So um, that's me, sort of, you know, before the problem became super evident. Here's me. Um, a little bit later this is uh, this is during high school so i was probably 16 or 17 maybe 18 when these photos were taken and i include them both so that you can sort of get a sense of what there aren't many photos of me from that era but what it what i looked like um, back then I'm, i'm i'm about to be 51 by the way so this sort of gives you a sense of the timing but also so that you could marvel at my incredible fashion sense um so I mentioned I'm a, I'm a marketer and I like data. Um, And so that's, that's why this chart is in here. Because it feels like as, as I qualify, it's important to kind of walk through what my journey was. So when I started um, university at age 18, that's about what I looked like. Um, Obviously, you know, I had come up quite a ways from that, uh, that little bit chubby baby sitting on that man's lap. Um, I'm five foot eight. I don't know what that is in meters for those who use meters, but um, not very tall. Well shy of two meters tall. Um, and at age 32, uh, in, in 2003, I had eaten my way up to 380 pounds. Um, and that is a photo of me basically at my top weight. Again, there are not that many photos. You know, as so many of us do, I think I, I sort of assiduously avoided the camera anytime I saw one because I did not like what I saw. Um, What I saw when I saw that photo was not, um, was not a a sick and suffering compulsive overeater. What I saw was someone who was not a, who was like wrong, who would, who was doing it wrong, who couldn't get it right, who was smart and could figure out so many things, but could never figure out why he couldn't stop eating. So at the age of 32, um, I was diagnosed with Uh, an outside medical condition that uh, led to me, that ostensibly led to me having a Ruin Y gastric bypass. But of course, the real reason was I didn't want to be that fat anymore. Um, For those who don't know, a Ruin Y gastric bypass is the kind where they not only create a small, they surgically create a small stomach pouch, but they also actually reroute your small intestine. Um, And my weight plummeted, as you can see on the chart. Like those are those are guesses, but I know that basically my weight dropped to a low of about 235 pounds before um, before eventually stabilizing. You know, as you can see, it more or less stabilized in the kind of 250 to 270 range, almost without fail. Um, that and I looked like that more or less. Uh, I looked like what you see there. Um, there is, however, something so, so I wanted to plot a few major life events here because they do track with the data and it's, it's interesting to me uh, to, to be able to look at the, the curve and know, oh, this is when that happened. Um, because of course that's happened that way. Now you would think divorce starting pretty stressful. Why did his weight drop after that. So growing up everything you see here, um, what I had tried on the way to I tried pain ways. I had even tried OA as a kid. Um, I I remember vaguely going to a meeting at the age of like I don't know 12 and maybe 11 and being the the only male and the only person I think under 40 in the room and being handed a gray sheet and and not knowing what the hell to do with it Um, so I I had I I had like tried OA but not really Um, but along the way I also did um, I'll mention the brand name I, I did I did Weight Watchers and I did Weight Watchers Camp as well uh, as a child. And uh, it was a it was a pretty terrible experience. <laughs> um, I did, you know, University of Pennsylvania's Learn Program. I did um you know diets and exercise and I never really did you know Atkins or anything like that, but like everything that came out, I would try. I tried FenFen when when Fenfen was legal, um, you know, medications, doctors, therapists. Nothing, nothing worked. Um, an interesting thing to note, though, is that along the way there, probably around, I'm gonna guess, right around maybe 2008, while I was still on my way back up from that low, um, I was in the therapist's office once, and I said I had this sudden realization, which was, um, Tony. It was. I I sort of. I was very excited. I was like, I think I. I think I. When I feel bad feelings, I think that I eat until I'm physically uncomfortable, so I don't have to feel the feelings anymore. And you know, I sort. I now sort of remember him getting like a sad, knowing expression on his face, and, and leaning forward and saying, "Yeah, I think you do." And and I was like, "Well, this changes everything," but nothing changed. And in hindsight. That's how I know I am a true compulsive overeater because that that is a valid piece of self knowledge. I have an emotional intolerance um, that triggers my physical cravings, and that triggers the phenomenon. Yeah, so the phenomenon of craving is triggered by emotional intolerance. And then once I some foods, like once I start, I can't stop, and I can't stop from starting. Um, if self knowledge was sufficient, I wouldn't have continued to look the way I looked. But more importantly, I would not have continued to feel the way I felt. And uh, as you can see, nothing changed. So, um, But the reason I, I went down that path was the only other time, so you see three steep downward trends on this chart. One was the gastric bypass, of course. The last one is OA. But the one in the middle is a peer goals group. It was a, it was a peer accountability group that I just happened to stumble into right after like the conversation about getting divorced from what was eventually technically a 20 year marriage started and um it was not a weight loss thing it was just you know it was eight guys who got together once a week for an hour or two and just set goals over eight to 12 week periods and then we just got together and talked about what was hard and um going in i didn't know anything about like there was i had no idea what i was walking into it it happened through someone who i had known through work but was not even a friend i later learned that he he had a long-term recovery in uh in the mothership program and that that was sort of how he envisioned that group playing out but i didn't know that at the time the reason i pointed out is because although i know that fellowship is not one of the steps it is not lost on me that the only other time i successfully managed to like lose weight in a sustained way and it didn't seem hard was when i had a fellowship to support me Um, and so what i want to say to those who um, who are new is um, keep coming back. Do not undervalue the fellowship because um, while, it, while showing up at meetings does not guarantee um, finding a spiritual solution, um, not showing up at meetings, I think is probably a pretty strong bet that you want. Um, and then uh, in February of 2019, I say it accidental OA, um, and I'll explain why I say that. Um, that, was, uh, that, was, that was when this journey began for me. And you can see that there was a period of pretty fast weight loss. Um, and I'm going to walk through that a little bit because it, it feels worth it to me. So there's the divorce start. There's the peer goals group. And here's accidental OA. Now, so you see that steep trend afterward, right? So So here's what was true on that date of February 2019. And this is like partly what it was like and partly what happened. Um, I'm hearing someone unmuted. Um, I don't know if it's possible to mute the lines, thank you. Um, What was true for me on February uh, 23rd, I'm sorry? Okay. Um, What was true for me on February 23rd of 2019 um, was the following uh number one uh i was five foot eight still probably always will be uh i weighed about 260-ish pounds i don't i don't know exactly i was not at that time sort of surprisingly i was not i was not trying to lose weight like it was not a big priority for me at that time i had relative peace with who i was and what i looked like and how things were going um I was uh, nearly three years into what wound up being a three-year relationship with someone who had, uh, you know, what I felt was really good recovery in AA. Um, And so I knew more than the average person about 12-step programs because I had her and other people in my life who had good recovery in AA. Um, It was also true that she and I had talked about Overeaters Anonymous exactly one time. Um, and I am i know this is being recorded, and, and I'm going to go ahead and curse because I feel like it's really necessary to truly understand what I'm about to say. Um, she asked me what I thought of OA. And I said out loud, quote, I think it's bullshit. And she said, why? And I said, because I know that step one is we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. And I'm sorry, but go F yourself, since I did not say F. Because I am not anorexic, I'm not bulimic, I don't weigh 900 pounds, I can get out of bed, I can sit through doorways, and I'm not going to binge eat until I actually burst something inside my body. So go F yourself, that's not me. And so that was sometime like in 2018, probably that I said that, maybe 2017. And I held that belief, like I I had no interest in OA, none. Um, I was also a pretty devout agnostic. Uh, which means to me that um, I was reasonably sure that there was, like, something out there. Um, But uh, however sure I was of that, I was much more sure that uh, it had absolutely nothing to do with me. Like, it was not a street-level, why does Matt eat donuts, higher power, God, whatever. It was a, you know, these galaxies are colliding. Oh, there's a black hole, higher power. Like, it was not not about me. It was about the universe. and I, and I grew up with no religion, by the way, none. So I, like I am completely a-religious, I continue to be completely a-religious, I'm not anti-religious, I just, I don't have any myself. Um, I had prayed maybe five times in my entire life at that point. Um, the other thing though, that was true was that I had a job that was, that was about helping people, it was about supporting entrepreneurs. I worked at a foundation and at some point in the couple of years prior, I had, I had had an idea had come up. I don't know if it was mine or someone else's. I honestly can't remember that, that like there should be a fellowship program for people trying to start businesses. That was, that, that was based on a rubric that was based on like a thing you could just download and print out. And that could be self-organizing where people could just like get together and offer each other fellowship and support. So this idea had come up and I went to my partner at the time and said, Hey, what do you think about this idea? And she said, I think it's a great idea. And I was like, all right, me too, like, awesome, what should I do now? And she said, you should read the big book. Now, at that time, you know, we had been together a couple of weeks. She had a couple big books. I had picked it up. I had leafed through it. And I had the following impressions. Number one, it is very aptly named. It is a big book. And number two, it is the most written in 1939 book that I had ever seen. So 15. that did not, yes? 15 minutes. Thank you so much. Um, that did not feel like a great um, a great option to me. And so I said to her, is there something else that I could do like not involving reading the big book? And she said, just listen to a big book step study. There's a ton of them on YouTube, they're free. Like that that will give you what you need. And I was like, oh, that sounds much better. Will that take like an hour, hour and a half? And she was like, more like six hours. And I went, oh, okay. So. I had a list of things to listen to when I have time, and that went onto that list. So, um, so that was also true: is that that was on that list on that day. Now, cut to February 25th or 23rd of 2019, my accidental OA journey began, and um, I'm going to I'm going to actually I'm going to finish with these slides and then take them down. So I found that I found my way into OA. You can see my weight dropped. For those who who feel like well. The time's not right. It's too hard right now. There's no way this will work. I'll just wait until this is over. I'll wait until that's over. Blah, blah, blah. I just want to, like, run through a few things that happened subsequent to me stumbling into this program unexpectedly. Um, so I stumbled in. Less than a month after I stumbled in, I was laid off from my job. So for the, I was, I was downsized. I don't know, I don't know if that, basically like I was fired but I was also but it was for a good reason like they didn't need my position anymore and it was also my recommendation so it was not an unwelcome bit of news but still a major life change so I was laid off from my job that relationship I mentioned ended in May of that year so it's like February end of February I find my way into this program March I get laid off April I finish working at that place that I got laid off from May that three-year relationship unexpectedly ends um, and while it ended fairly healthfully, it was still, it was a lot, it was pretty stressful. Um, and I was living in a place that I had no intention of staying and I, so I knew I was going to move. So I moved from Kansas City, Missouri to Chicago, Illinois, a place where I had never lived before and didn't have like a big strong network of people. Um, and then in the fall of that year, I started a new business. I decided I was going to be a consultant. So. I mentioned oh, in the middle, by the way, like my daughter graduated high school and I took her down to college orientation. She's my only child. So I mentioned all of this by way of saying that was a lot in a pretty short period of time. But you can see from the trend here that like none of those things, and, I, and I, this is not me, right? I'm not claiming credit for this. because I was, Because of how I took steps one through three, which I'll talk about a little bit, um I, like it was all okay through all of that my hair was never on fire i just kept working the program i kept going to meetings i kept talking to people i kept reading the big book and i kept doing the footwork and it just worked so the the amazing thing to me in hindsight is both that i did not like i was not permitted By my higher power to to allow any of those things to be an excuse to just stop doing the work, but the other thing is that that as I kept doing the work like I kept getting a little bit saner all the time and and that is just an incredible gift so anyway i'll wrap up with the slides. Again, like that's a close up of me pre surgery, more or less nearly 400 pounds. The the picture on the right is a photo of me in November of 2018, so just a few months before I found my way into the program, Um, and this is me today. Um, I've got about 950 days of abstinence, which, you know, has and continues to evolve. I've got nearly two years recovered, you know, finished working the steps, living 10, 11, and 12. My weight today is, you know, 215 to 220 pounds, depending on the day. Uh, that's down from about 260 pre-program and down from about 160 um, from my all-time high and more or less i'm happy joyous and free i mean i it's you know there's that saying i came for the vanity i stayed for the sanity that's not why i I didn't come for the vanity i came for the sanity um and i don't stay for the vanity like I, i i'm very aware that um if I had to trade every pound I've lost all the way back up to 380 pounds to keep the sanity that I have found in this program, that is a no-brainer. I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, fortunately, I mean, like, that's not something that anyone's asking of me. And so it's probably easy to say, but um, I would absolutely go right back the next second to, to weighing 400 pounds if I could just keep the sanity that I have found in this program. Um, so, so what happened was, uh, there were high winds in the Midwest that led to me having to make an unexpected 17 hour drive to get back from, to get back home to Kansas City. And so I got in the rental car and and, and by, and like an unwelcome 17 hour driver, I I like driving, but not that much. Um, I got in the rental car, I went to my list of things to listen to when I have time and, and right at the top of the list was Big Book Step Study. So I thought, perfect, perfect opportunity. I will listen to a Big Book Step Study. So I went to YouTube and I entered Big Books. I typed in Big Book Step Study and I hit search. Now, what happened next, I understood instantly because I work in digital marketing. I knew that YouTube was owned by Google. I know how Google's search algorithms work. I know how their ads work. I know, I mean, as much as anyone does. Um, so when YouTube, took in my search query, big book step study, just those four words, and said to Google, hey, Google, there's a guy named Matt Fisher who's looking for a big book step study. What would you recommend that that we show him? And Google was like, Matt Fisher, Matt Fisher. Oh, Matt Fisher? I know that guy. Please give him this Overeaters Anonymous big book step study right at the top of the search results list, not an ad. Google was like being helpful, right? which was not really how I took it in the moment. So right at the top, very first thing was Laurie C's big book step study, uh, over his anonymous big book step study. So I, I remember I'm, I'm in the car, I'm like just getting on the highway, I see this, and I'm like, I, my first thought was, that is not what I asked for Google. Like that that's kind of a dick move. Um, my second thought was, I'm not gonna listen to this because I think it's bullshit. like. Why would I listen to this? I don't, I don't care. I don't care about this stupid thing, this stupid program, these stupid people, right? Well, it's whatever. But then my third thought was, know, I should listen to this because I'm already in the tank for AA. I don't need to be convinced that AA is a good idea. So it's a higher bar for my idea for entrepreneurs if I can listen to this craziness and sort of walk away feeling like, oh, okay, I guess I can kind of understand why that works for them And I remember thinking, all right, Google challenge accepted. And I picked up the gauntlet and I pressed play. And and so remember, I'm going in with this attitude that's like, you know, this is complete bullshit. 20, 20, 30 minutes in, you know, if you haven't listened to it, by the way, it is a wonderful step study. Um, Laurie C is just a wonderful speaker. Um, And. but he was qualifying and he was telling a story. I think he probably weighed more than 400 pounds at this point when in the story. And he talks about a family holiday when they had roasted a goose, a thing that I didn't know people actually ever did. And, uh, and how much he loves goose skin, something I didn't know people ate. And so he, so he's, he's there and they're, they're sitting down to dinner, but he really, and the goose, but the goose skin, because it's so fatty and tough was not, served. It was still in the kitchen, like draped over the carcass. Okay. So he was like, well, I'm going to sneak into the kitchen to like, just get a little goose skin. And I remember thinking like, you're going to sneak into the kitchen. You weigh 400 pounds. You're not sneaking anywhere. And so he, you know, sneaks into the kitchen and he goes to the carcass where the skin is. And his intention is like, I'm just going to like, take. I'm going to like put a little piece in my mouth and tear it off and chew it and enjoy it. Fine. So, he, um, I'm sorry, I'm hearing a ton of background noise all of a sudden. Um, so, he, so he does that. But the thing is, it, like, it's still hot, right? So all the fat is still, like, it's hot. It's, it's hot. So it's basically oil. And the skin is tough. And he couldn't tear off a bite because it was too slippery and too tough. And, and so he tells the story of how next thing he knows, he's got an entire goose skin in his mouth. And dude, like, it's so hot that it's burning his mouth and also hot oil, hot grease is running down his chin and dripping down his front. So I'm driving my car and there are probably some of you who, right now who are like, please stop talking about that. It's disgusting. And you're right. I was driving the car and I was like, I'm going to throw up. I need to stop. I can't listen to this anymore. Like I'm going to puke. And that's when he said, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And I I mean, the way I remember it, maybe I I asked myself the question, like, I wonder if there are foods like that for me, but I don't remember doing it. What I remember is, thank you. What I remember is my brain immediately rattled off six foods that were like that for me. It was like, oh sure, like these six foods. And I remember thinking, wait, what? Like, if that's what it is to be a compulsive overeater, I'm a compulsive, like I think I might be a compulsive overeater. Shit. And so, when I said it was accidental OA, that's what I mean. Um, I didn't, uh, and I mentioned how you know the way that I took steps one through three. If I had tried to confront my disease head on, and I don't mean my condition of being a compulsive overeater to me. But, because I was presented with it just like as a factual statement and it was simply undeniably true for me that there were some foods that once I started, I couldn't stop and I couldn't stop from starting. I couldn't deny that I was a compulsive overeater. Like there was no, and there was no shame in it either, right? It was just like, it was having, it was like having brown eyes, right? Like it was, it it was no different. That's not my disease. My disease is that deep inside me, there, there had been a long held, absolutely certain belief that i am a worthless piece of shit, that i have nothing of any value to offer anyone and that it would be much better for all concerned if i had just never been born at all but since i was i should really just kill myself in the most humiliating way possible by you know dying of donuts and if I had ever tr- realized that and tried to confront my disease head on, I, like, I, because I didn't understand it was a belief, I just thought it was true. I wasn't even, like, at, at such a low level that I wasn't even aware of it. I would never have, like, that, that is a crushing thing to realize about oneself. I would never have been able to tackle this. But, but confronted with the simple truth that like, there are some foods that once I start I can't stop and I can't stop from starting And it doesn't matter why that's true. But that was, that was the only way I was ever gonna get into this program. I didn't understand that about my disease until later. I just knew that I had this condition. And I also knew that, that what I heard in the voice of this man speaking on this YouTube, it's a video, but it's audio only, was what I wanted. I didn't, I did not care about the weight loss. I want, I didn't come for the vanity. I came for the sanity. I wanted my life to be sane and complete in a way that it never had been. So that's, that's how I wound up in this program. That's, that's what happened. And as a consequence of that, steps one through three for me were not, I did not, after struggling for a half century with the notion of compulsive overeating, I suddenly realized it was like I became an overnight success after 50 years of of you know dying slowly. It was like once I admitted that, like step one was just I was okay. I can't deny this, and it also made total sense to me that like because it wasn't my fault, but it also wasn't anyone's fault. No one chose this for me. I mean, I didn't choose this. Who would choose this? But no one else chose it either. No human power created this condition in me. So how is any human power ever going to address the condition? How was that gonna happen? And so step two for me was like, okay, well, yeah, I guess if I, if I want to recover from this condition, I, like I guess it's going to take a power greater than, than me um, and probably greater than any human. And so step three for me was just a no-brainer. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take it on faith that, that um, like, the worst thing that's going to happen is it turns out there is no God and I'm suffering no, no more than I am today. I'll, I'll take that bet. Because I had heard from this guy on this video, who, by the way, is an atheist. I had heard from him on this video that um, he had something that I wanted. And if an atheist could do it, and I was like, I'm not even an atheist. I think there's something. All right, I'm going to just do it. I'm not going to question it i'm not going to worry about why i'm just going to admit the truth and do the work and see what happens and that's what I did um, and when I say I did it I, I, I don't i do it never has felt to me like I worked this program this program worked me i felt I did not propel my way through this program on self will I was pulled through this program um, and uh, and and I can't explain it and I can't share it um, other than to say um that that what it's like today is is this like you saw the photos but but you also heard me say that um you know that that i'd give back all the weight to feel the way i feel to live in 10 11 and 12. to understand that that belief that i held that i'm a worthless piece of crap that i have nothing of any value is a belief it's not a fact it's not a fact the way that i'm a compulsive overeater is a fact and the great thing about a belief is like it's a choice. I, like it's still there. It's not that the disease went away. It's just that I know that it's not true. Um, and so when it shows up, the way that I, the way that I think about the, the, the change in my life, the, the sanity is this, and I know I'm bad out of time, so I'll wrap up with this. when I, when I started this this journey um, inside my soul like it was a very small room and it only had room like and there was a table that just about filled the room and the table was only big enough to hold to have one chair and so that because that was the only chair every time feelings showed up which they do all the time right um i wound up on my ass on the floor and they got the chair because there was only one chair and after a lifetime of feeling like the fact that I couldn't hold my chair was, meant that there was something wrong with me, I, I now believe that for me, the process of doing the footwork is just the process of ever so slightly with every choice, slightly enlarging that room so that the table can be a little bigger. So there's room for more chairs. So like, and for a long time, I thought the point is, well, the feelings will stop showing up. Like I'll stop I'll stop believing that more piece of crap or I'll stop feeling shame. I'll stop feeling anger. I'll stop feeling whatever. And then I realized that's not the point at all. The point is they don't get my chair ever, ever. It's my chair. And the table's now big enough in a big enough room that there are enough chairs for everyone who shows up almost all the time. And to me, that's like, that's the sanity that's and that's the gift right and, and and I even now like I get enough warning now to to recognize that. Um, it was. Uh, like sometimes I can predict the feelings that are about to show up and like i'll see i'll see a i'll see a notification about an email and i'll see just enough of the email and i'll have the very clear thought in total serenity oh i'm going to be furious in about two minutes. I'm going to read that email and I'm going to be furious, which is a weird thing to think. And you'd think that thinking the thought would be sufficient to keep me from being furious. No, no, I'm still furious. But knowing it's coming and being able to offer it a chair instead of winding up in my, on my ass in the dirt on the floor is such a better way to live. And that's what I mean when I say I would gladly get back every pound to be able to keep that larger room with a bigger table and more chairs. I mean, that's a no brainer to me so i'm staying for the sanity too and i appreciate all of you letting me share my my insanity with you here today thank you very much